0: This podcast is brought to you by Illuminate, the Lehigh business blog. To learn more, please visit us at business.lehigh.edu slash news.
1: Welcome. I'm Rob Gerth, Director of Marketing and Communication at Lehigh University's College of Business. Our topic today is working from home in the coronavirus environment. We're recording this on Tuesday, March 17, 2020. Lehigh University is one of many universities that announced last week that it was moving all of its classes online for the remainder of the spring semester, which means our our employees and our students are also dealing with the topic of how we can work from home. I'm fortunate enough to have two faculty members from the College of Business on the line to discuss the subject. First is Corinne Post. She is the chair of the Department of Management here at Lehigh Business. She was one of the authors of a recent paper Team Dispersion and Performance, Examining the Role of Team Communications and Transformational Leadership, and Luba Belkin is an Associate Professor in the Lehigh Business Department of Management. She studies interpersonal effects of emotions, the influence of electronic communications on employee relationships, decision-making, and performance, and also trust. So welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. So there's three of us, uh, appropriately enough, we're recording this on Zoom from three different locations. Um, with these type of tools that we have, we can hear each other, we could see each other, we can share our screens, we can share files, we can move into breakout rooms, we can caption the whole thing with closed caption, we can anonymously poll each other, um, not to mention there's Slack and there's Teams, and of course, good old-fashioned you know, texting and email. Now, let me start with you, Corinne. With all of this, it should be pretty easy to run a team. Uh, from all over the map
0: is that right well the technology is certainly there there are a lot of features as the ones you mentioned that allow us to mimic as much as possible and and in some cases even improve on in-person meetings so for example with uh, zoom if we're in a meeting and we have somebody who's kind of overbearing taking over the conversation we uh, could still have somebody who might be more less likely to interrupt that could put in a little chat to interject and raise an issue even if someone else is kind of hoarding the The mic, so to speak. So there are some ways to to absolutely uh, mimic what we have in person, but at the same time there are also some hurdles there. So uh, first of all, you know, we're assuming that we all kind of know each other and have developed some sort of rapport and trust. And certainly for us here um, at Lehigh, working with people that we're familiar with, uh, that is there. But as you're perhaps um, working virtually with people you don't know that all that well, that could be problematic. Um, we're also assuming that we all have access to the same tools same technologies, same setup as we're working from home, but that's not necessarily the case. Just, uh, um, you know, personally, many of us are working with maybe family members at home that aren't usually there or uh, different cultures might have different expectations for uh, um, telecommuting, teleworking, and so might not have those sorts of setups available. And then finally time zones are are, are not flexible. I guess that's the one thing that's not flexible. So when you, do have to hold a meeting when you have members located in Brazil, Australia, the Netherlands, uh, and both coasts of the United States. You know, for some people it's going to be 5 a.m. and for others 10 p.m. So, so in some ways uh, we can't mimic what's happening. In other cases, there are some some things that are going to be problematic, and so leadership is going to be key, and how we're thinking about communication is going to be key for running that effectively.
1: I like the idea of adding uh, a chat to my live meetings once we get back to in-person meetings so I can chat with somebody right there in the room and <laughs> express my concern about the guy hogging this floor. That's brilliant. Um, Luba, let me ask you, um, are employees who are working from home now for an extended period of time, maybe for the very first time, are they going to have trouble dealing with the fact that there's now no, you know, like Corinne was talking about, there's no physical barriers anymore, no boundaries between work and home Uh, Is that going to be a problem for people?
2: Well, um, I think it will be um, a steep slope, let's be honest, Um, especially if the the employees never had an experience working from home. Um, Again, as Karine mentioned, um, many of us already use the technology, um, and um, at least we're familiar with how to use that, and also – some of our family members are probably familiar that we see we have some certain hours and certain spaces maybe where we work but in um if this is this something that's uh, employees experiencing first time it's not only hard for them but also for them family members to understand what's called uh, boundaries work home boundaries and um i think we'll uh maybe talk about this a little um in in detail later today uh but that's an important thing that Uh, Family members also understand that employees are actually working during daytime um, and allow them to have their own space uh, without interruptions. And of course, as Karin mentioned, I also think it's a critical role in this times is also um, in leadership and from organizational side, um, allowing employees to um, all the resources um, to be able to effectively manage this work uh, family time uh, working from home.
1: Corinne, your research you, you talk about the relationship between geographical dispersion, team leadership, team communication and team performance. So you know I'm going to ask you to summarize that in you know a few seconds of all the hard work you put into that but give us, give us an idea of what that means how they what the relationship is between those.
0: Well when you have a team that's dispersed geographically that, that brings some very specific challenges to the team those, those challenges have to do with communication with cooperation and with coordination. So as team members are dispersed, it becomes really difficult for members to communicate and coordinate effectively with each other. And oftentimes we have to rely on each other to get tasks done, right? We rely on some people to do some part of the task and others other parts of the task. And so there's really kind of that challenge of coordination and that multiplies when you have geographic dispersion. Um, also, when team members are dispersed across space, people find it increasingly difficult to understand each other and to, to trust each other. And finally, when you're not kind of close to those and uh, feeling trusting crust- and understanding of others, there's also potentially less of a sense of joint responsibility and, and shared kind of goals. Um, so those are some of the very specific challenges that geographic dispersion brings about and so as uh, teams go virtual it's it's really key that that leaders can play a role here in addressing these challenges of communication of cooperation and of coordination if they want to their teams to continue and to work and perform effectively
1: so so let's talk about the leaders for a second how do they need to adjust their style as far as people running teams
0: Um, so one thing so there are multiple fronts right one of them um, that might be important especially if the team in question has no experience with with working virtually with one another is that it's important to kind of build team to focus on the collective to help the team as a whole understand you know which member knows what and which member brings what to the team because as we're Separated, we we might kind of lose focus or have a difficult time of understanding really who we can rely on for what in accomplishing um, our goals. So that's one key feature that uh, leaders need to do. Um, So that's kind of talking overall uh, about, you know, working with leading virtual teams. Another important part of this is to structure to structure work, to make clear the team knows what it is we're accomplishing, to really maintain strong communication uh, if we have virtual meetings and, and make sure everybody is always on the same page. So those are some of the ways um, in which leaders might have to adjust. So again, building team, making sure that we're all feeling connected and a collective, as well as paying attention to structuring work so that we, we can coordinate effectively
1: well let me and let me stick with you for a second Corinne uh, is, so you told me what leaders need to do what about members like me as a team member what what do I have to adjust or should I be adjusting things of my style or my personality or anything I can control
0: I think there are a few things one can do do as a team member one is i think it's important to recognize and acknowledge each other's contributions um, often on, on virtual teams um, you know people will contribute their piece and it kind of goes into a black hole if you like so we might on the receiving end read and uh, adapt incorporate the the material or the information we receive from our team members or process it but that person has no way that sent it has no way of Knowing where it went. So I think uh, acknowledging each other's contributions, recognizing those contributions is, is one key step. Luba, let
1: me ask you. So we talked about the tools that we all have and that we or we may or may not have access to. But in the end, there's still nothing better than a face to face
2: meeting. Is that right? What, what, uh, the tools are never going to be able to replace that, right? We don't think so, at least people who work in this area. So we come really close with um, all this technology and Zoom and uh, FaceTime, but still there is what's called psychological distance. It makes, um, in real time, it's still, it's, it seems like we are together, but it's still different. So we're very social creatures, and we do need human contact. So, again, we're lucky we have this technology now. Again, 15, 20 years ago, we didn't have that, but still it's not exactly the same as being able to be in the same room with people you work or with people you love. So, Corinne, let me get back to you for a second. In this specific circumstance
1: where everything is sort of ad hoc and happening really fast, or is there anything leaders should keep in mind?
0: Yes, I think one thing that's critical in a situation like this where, where everything's sort of unstable, where there's a lot of anxiety amongst individuals, where we're trying out new things, is to manage people's emotions. So, manage the emotions of people on uh, the team. Um, and that can take various forms. One, it's, it's critical that leaders modulate their own emotional responses. Uh, to tr- that helps calm others down. Another strategy is to shift attention away, have uh, to to, you know, other potential benefits or outcomes that, of of the situation that's unfolding, that could be positive. You know, what are we learning? Uh, what does this enable us to to learn and to do as a group? And also, and I think Luba mentioned this: is providing resources to help individuals. Uh, manage through the crisis that can help also reduce and and moderate some of that um, anxiety and then in terms of another adjustment in in real time or I would say in face to face teams uh, leaders who act in what's called a transformational leadership style leaders who inspire act as role models, focus on developing and mentoring their followers those sorts of leadership styles can be uh, especially difficult to implement when a team is entirely dispersed and especially when they're geographically dispersed, because um, what may seem as you know genuine and trustworthy in, in one particular setting can become unauthentic and maybe even suspicious in another setting. So I think that's also one uh, adjustment that leaders who rely on this transformational style mm-hmm. might need to dial that down a little bit, especially when teams are very, very, um, very dispersed geographically.
1: And let me ask either one of you, if you have a good team going into this new reality, are, is it is it going to remain a good team? Like, can you kind of sort of take it for granted? Oh, these guys are great. They're great together. This is going to be good. Or is there a possibility that could all fall apart in this different circumstance?
0: If you had a good team going into this, it, it could fall apart if if you're not paying attention to to how work is structured. You know, um, maybe, you know, we need to have plan interactions. We need to know who knows what. We need to make sure everybody is on the same page. So um, I think if you have a good team going in, you're in a very good spot, but you need to make sure that whatever was happening um, face-to-face can continue in a virtual virtual space. I think some of the ways in which it could potentially fall, fall apart is for individuals who have a lack of technical skills or difficulty accessing uh, documents, poor capabilities for remote, remote work. So those are again structural features.
1: And will, will cultural diversity? If your team happen to be co- culturally diverse, is that going to be helpful, or is that going to be uh, make things a little more challenging? What's what do you think on that?
0: I definitely think it will make things more challenging. Um, from the work that I've done with a couple of colleagues, was Julia Eisenberg and Nancy Di Tomaso that was uh, published last year. We had um, especially identified that as as the geographic dispersion of the team increases, so as you're further and further away from each other, that can, uh, again, break down, you know, trust, uh, break down communication. So in those settings, it becomes really critical to uh, make sure we're creating this sense of a collective, uh, of team, and also structure work. uh, And at the same time, be mindful of the limitations that um, people have or the cultural differences in approaching um working.
1: and what about i know you both have done work on uh, gender it, is gender going to play a role here is is it going to is there a better leader or is there a better team member based on gender
2: one of the papers that um Karine and i um did with uh, another colleague um last year actually focused on um, the, uh, the role that gender plays in times of crisis for um, subordinate and employee trust. Um, and what we found that um, gender does make a difference, especially in times of uncertainty. Gender, not just in terms of male or female, but more gender-specific behaviors. For example, uh, what we saw is that in times of crisis or uncertainty, when people are anxious, there is perception of threat people expect leaders to implement, uh, kind of this relational emotional management behavior. So be more empathetic, um, uh, regulate their own emotions and also try to help, uh, mitigate, um, negative emotions in their, uh, followers. And that really makes a difference for the followers in times of crisis. So in that respect, yes, gender makes a difference. Um, but, um, uh, we it's it's probably also if um, male leaders adopt the more relational behaviors that usually associated with um, uh, female leadership um, that this probably gives them uh, an advantage of um, in this time so in, uh, followers will be more receptive to these behaviors and uh, they can probably increase trust and manage the crisis more efficiently.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And if I can follow up, Luba, uh, um, it's a really great point. It's not about necessarily female or male, but it's about the sorts of behaviors, and some of those are associated more with women than men. So I guess that's why things get conflated. But when leaders show empathy, when when they uh, care for others, um, it can really help virtual teams to develop this sort of cohesion you we were talking about before. People tend to also engage and kind of follow the lead of, of of their leader, uh, be supportive of others, be more mindful, uh, help others out. So it can really help when you have a leader that can foster this sort of perspective taking, foster empathy, so that other team members become more cooperative, uh, more participative as well in in the team's uh, functioning. Excellent. Let
1: let me get to something really nitty gritty here for a second because we're all gonna deal with this more than ever. And it's, it's a pet peeve with me, which is emails. But let me. I know you've done a lot of research on this. You've done research on something you call you call it O E E M, or do you say that as O M E O or something like that?
2: <laughs> well, uh, probably O E E M. We just um, uh, came up with this term, kind of coined this term to not pronounce organizational expectations for e- email ma- monitoring after hours. So the idea of this concept uh, is that. Um, People work uh, 24-7 with modern technology. So before um, current uh, crisis with pandemic, uh, people would go to work physically as they used to go for many, many years before. And then once they left the office in in the past, they kind of switched to their um, family or social life. But uh, in today's environment, they, they do not because of all the smartphones and emails, all the technology. So what happens is that people literally work around the clock and what we were studying is that it's not just the time that people spend with which can exhaust them uh, or whelm them and their uh, loved ones and really um, negatively impact the quality of work as well not just family but also work of um, creating this work family conflict and family work conflict but also even if they don't do any work but there is an organizational expectations they have to be available. So this constant anticipation that there might be an assignment, there might be something that they need to do on weekends or after working hours, this really um, drives a lot of negative effects for employees and their significant others. And so we're taking away this what I consider a physical boundary.
1: Like There's always that time when you're driving home from work. You have that moment to decompress a little bit and kind of put some stuff behind you. You're gonna get home and you're gonna check your email, but now this physical boundary is is disappearing for most people, and and I understand from reading your research,
2: there is something called boundary theory. Tell me a little bit about that. Right, so boundary theory uh, kind of deals with um, um, specifically this boundaries between work and uh, family time, right? And again, as I said in the past, it was pretty easy. You leave uh, your factory, you leave your office, you leave your workspace, you come uh, and then that's it. You kind of don't think about work and you engage in your social life and your family life. But um, because of this uh, blend between uh, work and family due to technology availability, you um, uh, a lot of people have hard time managing um, these boundaries because now they become psychological, not really physical boundaries. A lot of times people don't really come to the office. They expect that um, there are a lot of uh, more and more jobs that allow remote um, access to work, or uh, and when sometimes people actually um, t- uh, take several days a week and they work. So that's kind of all this blending um, really um what now uh, researchers that um, look at, um, take boundary theory and look at what's called boundary violations um, studies. So for example, if you have a business meeting in, in your what's called off hours during weekend or after normal, uh, let's say nine to five hours, that's a boundary violation um, of a family life, right? On the other hand, if you are at work um, or at least during working hours and then you have to deal with family situation, that's a violation of work boundary. And again, sometimes we can manage them successfully, um, but sometimes they really interfere with quality of either work um, or family
1: life. And I'm just impressed that for the three of us, no dog has barked in the background yet. So that's good. <laughs> I just put my phone on silent, actually. <laughs> <laughs> funny. But let me ask, Luba, you have, you, there's a phrase that I saw in your research about micro role transitioning and that's that's the idea of one minute you're you're taking care of your dog like we were just talking about and the next minute you're explaining your research to somebody on the phone so tell me tell me about that a little bit
2: Exactly. So, uh, we all microtransition back and forth, uh, in our roles again now, because that's, that's the way we're managing, um, our work and family lives. And especially now when most of the people are actually bound, um, to work from home. And again, some people there's, is, there's is what's called probably like this natural ability and desire to this blend this, um, and, and switch from uh, role to role. And some people are more comfortable doing that than others, but overall, um, it is really hard because um, there is some research on interruptions actually that studies that. And uh, what um, they find is that once, for example, um, you engage with work and then someone interrupts you, um, your kids or uh, your significant other, ask you some other question, you kind of mentally still with work uh, questions, but then you answer uh, them and and then you kind of go back. So what happens is you're not really – mindfully engaging in either one um, because of these transitions and it can really uh, impede the quality of work you're doing, but it also can damage somewhat relationships at home as well. If you're not really listening and, and um, your uh, family understands that you're still kind of uh, um, doing your work mentally um, in your head while uh, being present and engaging with them. So again, this is something that it's pretty tough to manage. And you you called it authentic, engaging. I think. Um,
1: so, is is the is work going to be if in this situation that we're going into? where Everybody's going to be working from home. What's going to suffer more? Do you think is it going to be the work that's going to suffer, or the family that's going to suffer?
2: Um. Well, it th- there are ways to manage this successfully. It doesn't have uh, <laughs> okay. to suffer. So, uh, okay, take a positive <laughs> outlook. That's much better than my <laughs> negative look outlook. Go ahead. <laughs> So, so what, what we were studying um, in our several projects was that, again, because it was um, too much work, kind of over like this work overload, um, doing it during work time and um, uh, during uh, weekends and after working hours. And we said, if you have to do it, if there's an, uh, really a lot of expectations, one, on, on, um, on the one hand, again, there is a critical role of leadership and organization in managing these expectations and leaders and organizations have to understand that for their employees to be productive and happy, uh, they really need to let them unwind and take time to detach and engage in activities they like. So there is a big part in terms of organization and policies, Um, again, in times when you go both to office and then kind of work around the clock, right, at home. But um there's something that the employees can do as well, regardless of what the policies of organizations are. Uh, one thing we suggest um, um actually an upcoming um, um, the article that's still um we're working on it's it's not published yet um, but uh, uh, one of the suggestions is that employees take proactive approach in managing um this stress, and what we suggest is that um, they create these physical boundaries at home. For example, saying like every morning, especially now from 10 to two, um, I'm engaged at work. Again, I'm just uh, <laughs> making this up uh, uh, in terms of hours. And then I have a break for an hour or two and I spending my t- uh, time with the family. And then again, I work for another couple of hours, same with weekends. So, This way, first of all, they let um, their loved ones and their family members um, to know that there are clear hours that they should not be interrupted. Um, But also organizations, when they know that there are certain hours that employees are available and certain hours that they're not available, it also kind of uh, creates uh, better communication and um, there's no expectation, for example, if you... Tell your uh, supervisor, I will not be available during this hour. So they really know you're not answering because you're not available instead of thinking, well, maybe you're not willing to engage, et cetera. So this kind of uh, clear communication is one thing um, in creating these physical uh, boundaries. But another thing is that um, really people do need to engage in activities they like and authentically engage in them, for example, family time, if they love playing with a dog, love spending time with their um, spouses, uh, kids, etc., or friends, even virtually right now, um, they really need to be mindfully present while doing that. Because if we're engaging in, um, with our loved ones, having a dinner while thinking about work, we're really not there with them. And it, it, again, our family relationships suffer because of that. And what we found is actually that um, this constant uh, presence uh, with work thoughts um, hurts relationships um, for employees with their significant others. It also creates more anxiety, it's even detrimental to their health and to the health of significant others. Um, so, uh, kind of taking uh, uh, away from this finding, and again, another research that we're doing. Uh, we, we saw that um, employees who are emotionally exhausted because of this constant presence, they can't detach, engage mindfully in activities. Um, it's not that they, they, uh, they have these perceptions of work-like balance skewed negatively, but they also have high intentions to leave uh, organizations. So um, organizations may suffer because of that. So work relationships suffer as well, kind of to answer your question. Um, and again, going back to uh, how to manage that, um, creating boundaries, clear communication is one thing, but also once you engage either with work or uh, with family activities, be mindful, be there what you're doing. It's really it's not necessarily quantity, it's the quality of the uh, engagement that really counts.
1: And then I've seen cases where employers have set policies. You You kind of alluded to it, but I'm going to see if there's have set very specific policies uh like email can only be sent between this time and this time and not after this time and not before this time is that you think that's a, a something that employers should consider
2: uh, it depends um uh depends on the nature of work i would say so in some organizations and uh, it's this policy is widely implemented in europe for example because there are different um expectations, cultural expectations. Uh, also, there are different uh, employment law than uh, in the United States. Uh, but some companies here do this as well. So yes, it is effective because employees know that um, even if they're not planning to check email and send this email, um, this that this is this concept of O-E-E-M, right? Organization expectations uh, comes into place. They more anxious that someone else will send an email or let's say boss will send an email or their peers will send an email and they kind of have to be visible and respond. And that really drives them kind of drives the stress. So having this clear policy, there are no emails allowed of uh, well, doing this off hours may help to manage that.
1: Mm.
2: However, uh, sometimes uh, the nature of work it, that doesn't really allow this. So for this types of um, works, jobs, industries, Uh, We suggest um, that these policies can be managed. For example, uh, organizations can maybe elect um, uh, a person or two to be responsible some days, right, and managing these emails during weekends, and others, uh, other days, they know they have a time off. So um, creating these flexible boundaries, but also clear in terms of allowing employees to unwind, uh, but also um, know clearly when they are expected to be available and when not, really helps
1: and Corinne you mentioned some tips earlier on do you have any other tips that uh, leaders or followers might uh, be able to uh, enact in this new reality we're living in that will help them be as productive and as and and as happy as they have been in the past in their job
0: yeah and hopefully it won't contradict too much what Louis is saying here Um, But I think there there are two things. One is, um, you know, what we're losing out by going virtually is a lot of the small interactions, the waving at somebody as you walk past their office, the the smiling, the, you know, just catching up on on each other. Um, And so some ways to do that by by email is just, um, you know, I've seen this on on teams and on my own teams is sometimes, you know, one of us will, will send out something, funny and maybe over the next few hours we go back and forth and then that ends so it's a little bit of of bantering you know it doesn't it doesn't uh, extend excessively but it it does a little bit of of that it provides a little bit of that glue uh, that can hold people together Um, checking in with each other as well is is one way that that leaders can 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 um, show their their team that they they care that they're there Maybe even you know having phone calls occasionally, so virtually doesn't need to be just the the, the computer mediated sort of communication. So those things can can help preserve maybe a little bit of those social interaction, social fabric, uh, the glue of teams. And then in terms of, of accomplishing the task that the team has uh, still to to do, I would say you know focus on on focus on the essential, um, but then. Uh, have clear agendas if there's a virtual team meeting be mindful of time of of not running over in these meetings of scheduling those meetings in a way that works for everybody on the team summarizing the decisions that the team does come to in those in those uh, in those meetings so that we're not constantly uh, re-litigating what we've decided make sure the assignments of responsibilities and the timelines for each member and their individual work is clear, provide regular updates to the team, you know, share some sort of progress that can happen with a, uh, a spreadsheet or you know, that indicates the different milestones that need to be reached and when they're reached or uh, through other uh, uh, virtual means. So those are a couple of things. Again, one focused more on um, on the, I would say the soft, the relational side that we talked about earlier, the emotional regulation, as well as on, you know, getting the task accomplished in, in the most um, effective and, and helpful way so that members can keep coordinating and working together and, and towards, towards their goals. What,
1: what do you guys think is going to be the most surprising thing that people are going to find out now that we're in this new world?
2: what I think Rob is that a lot of people may discover on the one hand, new things they like. Um, but also I think uh, we all will appreciate more, a lot of things that we actually take for granted uh, from uh, as Karine pointed earlier, day-to-day interaction is just someone passing in the hallway, chatting, waving a hand that really don't have this anymore. Um, to a lot of kind of this um Everyday pace and normalcy—the uh, sense of that um, um, you know—you have people around, you can really go out and and socialize and hang out with people, or um, you know, uh, be present at work. All these little things, I think, and in, in in a and one way we we'll, we understand how we miss them, but it's it's a positive thing. We kind of will be more grateful and more appreciative in the future. I think it's a good thing, uh, but also we might. Um, hopefully improve our family relationships. We'll be spending more time with people that um, live with us and hopefully we'll discover new things and engage in meaningful conversations with our kids and significant others. So I think that there's a, actually uh, a positive thing. Or we might discover, um, you know, we can um, cook and create this uh, interesting recipe. So engage in uh, some other activities that we really never had time to do because of all this fast-paced environment.
1: Nice. Well, let me, let me extend that to your students then. Do you have any advice for your students or any hopes for your students uh, starting in this new world, finishing up the semester, this being the first week back to
2: classes? Oh. Well, uh, to me personally, um, and as Karine said, clear communication is the key. So I've been communicating with my students, but um, I really see from them that they're really anxious to, for the sense of normalcy and to continue education. Um, no matter if they bound it to their um, apartments or homes. And I've seen a tremendous response from my students that they're really understanding and they're willing to be there and engaged um, during uh, the class time. And um, so we're just starting this. So that's one really positive thing, what I see. And, um, I've been in uh, communication with them through email, um, but we're starting this video chats this uh, week. And what I see is that I I clearly refuse uh, (laughs) to give in to this pandemic. So I'm determined to make this a success and I'm sure they are too. So this collective sense of, We will persevere we will still do this and and the quality of education not just um time we spent uh, together as class time but the quality of education will be really uh high as it's expected to be is something that uh, kind of i try to maintain and i see the students already are very responsive to that
0: so i'm very optimistic
1: how about you and
0: i have yeah i have a couple of uh, a few things two maybe very very practical tips one is if you do have uh, students and and peers you know i'm thinking especially of group projects for example that are around the world i mean many uh, might not be back here in the u.s for example Uh, there's this tool called the world clock meeting planner where you can input the location of different team members and it comes up with the best possible times for holding virtual meetings so that's one little tip the second tip that I was delighted to discover is that uh, for those of us who will be using Zoom, there's a way to use a virtual background. So if you are a student and you're working in a space that it, that you're sharing perhaps with others or that you're not comfortable uh, having others see but you still want to be sort of present on the screen, that's uh, that's an option. And so if you just Google how to, how to create a virtual background in Zoom, you'll find out how to do that. So those are two sort of practical tips. Um, but the bigger picture is I think we need to remind ourselves that we're all in this together. I mean, we're all not just, you know, in, in here in Pennsylvania, Lehigh, but everywhere around the world, we're all in this together. We need to be patient with each other and we need to appreciate each other. And, and so I would say to, you know, to our students, be kind to yourselves, do what you can, you know, none of us, none of us signed up for this at all. (laughs) And so, you know, do what you can. Marvel at what we're accomplishing and how resilient we are. I think that will be uh, something mm-hmm. to, to kind of sit back every day and say, look at what we were able to do despite or with and with all that's happening. Mm-hmm. And then again, maybe more practically, you know, re- reach out to your professors. We're, we're, we all want to make sure that you do well. We're here to help. But maybe we can also be helped. Maybe there's, you're seeing us struggle with something and you have a tip for us feel free to let us know as well. Again, we're, we're all in this together. We'll, 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 um, we'll per- persevere, we'll do well, and um, we'll all look back on this someday and, and uh, marvel at what we've been able to accomplish. It's well, a perfect place to end, Corinne. Very hopeful message. I really appreciate it. And thank you both so much. My pleasure. Thank you, Rob.
1: Corinne Post, whose research interests also include women in leadership and how diversity affects groups and organizations. And Lupa Belkin, one of the authors of Killing Me Softly, I love the name of this, Lupa, Uh, Killing Me Softly, Organizational Email Monitoring Expectations, Impact on Employees and Significant Others' Well-Being. Perfect. Great name. This podcast is brought to you by Illuminate, the Lehigh Business blog. To hear more podcasts featuring Lehigh Business thought leaders, please visit us at business.lehigh.edu slash news. And you can follow us on Twitter at Lehigh Business. Thanks, everyone, for listening.